Thank you for listening to Inside the 435. Our show is supported by sponsors and our loyal audience. This episode is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. This podcast is hosted and produced with Anchor. Here is why you should use Anchor to produce your podcast. It's free, no cost to you ever. There are creation tools built into Anchor allowing you to record, edit, and upload your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor takes the tedious and long process of distribution off of your to-do list. Your show will be automatically distributed to Spotify and Apple Podcasts for you. Everyone dreams of making a little bit of money from a podcast. This is made possible by Anchor. With no minimum listenership, you can be offered sponsorships. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do not wait a second longer. Download the free Anchor app, that's A-N-C-H-O-R, or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello all and welcome to episode number six of Inside the 435. My name is Jack Bowie and uh, today I'm alone for this episode. Um, We've got a lot to talk about. Um, You know, when I'm on my own, I tend to prepare a little bit more. Um, you know, kind of take notes because when I'm on my own, it's more of like a reporting style thing and giving my take on certain situations. And to do that, I really need to understand certain situations. And if it's um, if I am with somebody, then usually it's me, um, you know, kind of more interviewing them and it's more focused on them. So I'm less focused on what I know about certain things. And it's more talk about moral beliefs and certain things like that. So I'm actually more prepared, and usually I've got a lot to talk about. Uh, hello. Thank you for joining. Um, so today, or not today, uh, but the Supreme Court decided 5-4 with religious services in New York. A um, suit was filed um, against the uh, state of New York after the governor ordered um, religious services uh, to... Restricted re- religious services on the amount of people that they could have um, in the service, and uh, they um, the suit stated that that was unconstitutional um, because they were violating their right to uh, assemble and their right to uh, religion. And the Supreme Court cited five four with them, saying that it was unconstitutional for the uh, governor and the state legislature to impose restrictions on uh, churches, which, uh, you know, should be considered non-essential businesses. You know, they're not really businesses they're organizations, but they should be considered non-essential because that's just what makes sense. But that's not what happened. So I assume that'd be what happened about 5-4. We're really starting to see the power of Amy Coney Barrett in these situations. Um, but at this point, I don't think that it should be uh, up to a federal federal court on whether or not... Um, uh, the state should be able to impose certain restrictions to keep people safe under a virus. Like, that should not be up to the Supreme Court. Uh, and, no, obviously you have a, a freedom to practice a religion, but I, I believe that a governor has the right, especially in unprecedented times with the virus, to restrict uh, the amount of people that can be in a place because churches could be high, uh, you know, high volume for uh, uh, virus transmission. So, no, I don't think it's up to the Supreme Court to be able to say that, no, uh, the governor cannot, you know, make restrictions. I think that wearing a mask is worse, you know, is is more of an inconvenience than getting to go to a church and sit for an hour. Like, I, I mean, obviously, some people may be, you know, 
you know, churches there is, you know, their big thing. But I think that not being able to, you know, churches can live stream things. I think that not being able to go to a church building and sit through a church service is not um, like a deal breaker. I don't think that that's, um, you know, restricting that is a, is taking away your freedom uh, to assemble or your freedom uh, of religion. I don't think that's how it works. And I, you know, the biggest thing here is I don't think federal courts should be deciding uh, what governors can, you know, mandate in their own states. Obviously, if it's extremely unconstitutional, saying that you cannot leave your house, you can't go to the grocery store, certain things like that, that's unconstitutional. You know, you have a right to leave your, you know, personal residence. But, you know, a stay at home order, I don't think is, you know, that's, that's just saying stay at home unless you have essential work to do or essential business to accomplish. You know, like going to the grocery store, that's essential. You know, you cannot survive without going to the grocery store. So, you know, that's fine. But, you know, not being able to go to your church, that's, that's not an unconstitutional thing. But Supreme Court cited 5-4, and that's, again, you know, with the power of Amy Coney Barrett, who hasn't been as conservative as I've been expecting um, thus far in the Supreme Court. So I'm not sure how I feel about that. Um, so here's a question. How do you think the school shutting down will affect people? Um, okay, so, like, school shutting down is a, you know, I've never been a fan of it. Uh, but I've actually, actually, I guess I, I could say I've been a fan of it. I think that schools should be shutting down. It's the safest thing to do with the, at this point, uh, schools are not, you know, they're not full of kids getting it because kids don't, you know, tend to get it, but they're full of kids who could be transmitting it. And I think it's a very safe bet to shut down schools. Um, when it comes to emotion, um, you know, emotional, um, consequences, I think there are a lot of emotional consequences that come with shutting down a school. You know, people are not able to socialize with friends. Uh, you know, teachers are not able to do their normal work. So it, a lot of consequences, you know, unintended or intended consequences come from shutting down schools. Um, but I think, you know, when it comes to how it's going to affect people, it's going to definitely be beneficial uh, when it comes to stopping the spread of this virus. It's not going to be very beneficial when it comes to morale. Like, that's that's not a very good thing. And then, you know, when it comes to sports, there's another question. What I think about sports, shutting down sports is uh, it's necessary. Obviously, I'm a little biased because, you know, my soccer season ended and, you know, we got to finish as normal uh, like a month ago. But, yeah, I think it's 100% necessary for sports to shut down. Sports, uh, you're not wearing masks. You're with people from other schools. And it's just like, uh, like here, when you talk about the basis of racism, it has nothing to do with, you know, people of other colors. The basis of, I know this sounds like I'm completely, you know, going off another, you know, going off on a tangent here, but um, it'll all loop back to sports. Um, the basis of racism is people would come in contact with other like tribes and other um, groups of people. And when those two groups meet, uh, you're uh, very high risk of transmitting viruses and diseases because there's two groups of people uh, who have lived two different lifestyles, you know, in practically two different worlds um, that are now meeting. So that's basically been my philosophy when it comes to sports. You have two um, completely separate teams from two completely separate schools from two completely different uh, you know, cities possibly even states, um, you know, and if we're talking professional sports countries, but, you know, in the U.S., high school sports, you know, different cities, different states. Yeah, I don't think that that's very safe because you have people who could be, you know, and it's not a different virus. You know, we're all worried about the coronavirus right now, but transmitting this coronavirus between schools and then you've got a big outbreak in a city when it could, you know, in a state, um, you know, when you only have one, you know, big negative city. So I think shutting down sports is 100% necessary. Um. And then again, sports also has a, a you know a big uh, effect on morale because sports is something that a lot of people do. They work out, they uh, play their sport, they hang out with their friends when they're playing that sport. 
they're competing and that's all good for, uh, you know, um, your emotions. That's all good for your physical mental health. So, you know, physical and mental health. So it's got a big effect on morale. I think more than schools do because, you know, people who play sports tend to be very competitive and they tend to be very social. So yeah, I think shutting down sports has a major effect on people, but when it comes to benefiting people, you know, health, you know, when it comes to the, the coronavirus, shutting down schools and sports hurts everything when it comes to health, like mental health, emotional health. Um, it, it's terrible. But the only thing we're really benefiting from is, uh, you know, we're, we're benefiting from not, not transmitting the coronavirus. That's about it. So yeah, that's what happened in New York. Uh, so I guarantee you we're going to see a jump. There's going to be a jump now that religious services are going to take this as a go-ahead. And it's not a go-ahead. I mean, just the Supreme Court saying that is that's them saying that this, um, the state has no right to uh, restrict that. That's not saying that the churches shouldn't be restricting it. That doesn't mean the Supreme Court thinks it's a good idea to go to church. That's not what they're saying there. They're saying it's unconstitutional, and they're trying to go by the law, which is... Um, possibly the good idea and uh after next we have trump pardoning michael flynn michael flynn was the former national um security advisor under president trump he was only there for he was there for under 30 days uh after he was fired for lying to the fbi and lying to vice president mike pence and this pardon was issued by president trump uh i think a couple a week ago ish and it was kind of surprising uh, considering you know Trump did fire uh, Michael Flynn, but I, it was more of a, he was more required to fire Michael Flynn. He didn't exactly have a choice. Uh, firing Michael Flynn was like, you know, he lied to the FBI and he lied to his own vice president. Like that, that was what he had to do. That the biggest problem here is he's firing somebody who who you know pled guilty. He did he pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI in the Russia investigation. And the problem with this is by pleading guilty to lying uh, to the FBI and the Russia investigation, he was benefiting President Trump when he lied. Uh, so Trump just pardoned a man who pleaded guilty to lying to benefit President Trump. And that's so political, like it's not even right. It's just like when the Supreme Court uh, confirmed Amy Coney Barrett. It's so political, but it wasn't right. Uh, it's just like, you know, when this really when not not Supreme Court, the Senate, when the Senate does anything, it's political and it doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong. Uh, when the Senate acquitted President Trump, uh, of all charges um, in the impeachment. It was political. It wasn't right. Um, so pardoning Michael Flynn was, I think, political, not right. He shouldn't have done it. Obviously, Michael Flynn deserves to serve time, be fined, uh, whatever. I mean, he, he lied to the um, Federal Bureau of Investigation in a national security. He was the national security advisor, and he lied in a national security uh, case. So, yeah, he this pardon, it, it, it's frustrating because it, it doesn't make sense. This is pretty much the last major thing that Trump is going to do when he's in office. We are hoping, um, obviously he's going to try to screw up a lot of things for Biden, but, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's still not accepting the results of the election. I mean, if you've seen anything, you will know that he is not accepting the results of the election, yelling at reporters, even after, uh, our next topic here is results in swing states being certified. Uh, Michigan, uh, big swing state, big voter for voter fraud state, uh, of course, um, you know, I, I know that I'm on camera right now, so, you know, I did air quotes there, uh, but I also know that this will be on Spotify and that's where my biggest listenership is. So I can't, you know, say stuff with air quotes. So when I said, uh, voter fraud, I had air quotes. Um, so alleged voter fraud from the president, um, non-existent voter fraud is what I'm referring to. Um, but 
Yeah, my bad. Um, yeah, this non-existent voter fraud, um, Trump is still saying exists, even after the results in Michigan, um, which was a big alleged voter fraud state with lawsuits, um, was certified. On uh, Results in a lot of these swing states have been certified. Uh, Joe Biden will be president-elect of the United States. We have known this for weeks. Uh, and President Trump should know that now, but he still does not. He's still not accepting that uh, for whatever reason. Um, so, you know, that's not a problem. I mean, Trump said, Trump said on, um, I believe it was maybe Tuesday, he was yelling at reporters and he was asked a question, um, which is another topic I have. His, his question, um, he was asked, uh, if the, if the electoral college votes for president elect Biden, uh, Will there be a peaceful transfer of power? Something like that. And he, you know, in, instead of accepting that that's a possibility, he'll say, oh, they won't do that. Oh, the, you know, this, this this was a, this election was a fraud. This election was stolen from us. If they vote uh, for President-elect Joe Biden, this will be a big mistake by the Electoral College. You know, none of that is true. Nothing he has said is true in any way. Um, there is no voter fraud in this election. And there is, well, here, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to rephrase that actually um, and completely change it. There definitely 100% is voter fraud in this election. Not widespread voter fraud, not voter fraud that um, helped Biden win this election at all. Um, there's definitely voter fraud. I mean, it happened. I, I know it happened. And I haven't even, I mean, I don't even need to do research. I mean, I have, but I don't even need to do research to know that voter fraud occurred in this election. Um, in a uh, country with, uh, I think it's 500 and Oh, it's 300, sorry, 328.2 million people in the United States. Uh, not every single person is going to be innocent. Not every single person is going to uh, follow the rules. There was voter fraud in this election, period. Good job, President Trump. You're right. But you also didn't win. Biden won. There was not voter fraud that could have overturned the results of this election because that just didn't happen either. I mean, there's there's a middle ground here. It's not there was voter fraud or there was not. You need to really look into it and realize what type of voter fraud are we talking about? Are we talking about voter fraud that gave Biden uh, three extra votes in Nebraska? Or are we talking about voter fraud that uh, won Biden this election? And in this case, we're talking about voter fraud that, you know, maybe won Biden a couple extra votes because that's that's what really happened in this election. Um, and you know what? There, there could have been voter fraud that even won Trump a couple of votes. I mean, I've seen videos and you've seen the videos of... Um, uh, a reporter asking this woman who was carrying a Trump flag, do you believe there was voter fraud in this election? She says, I know there was. And he goes, how do you know? And she goes, I did it. And he's like, really, how'd you do it? And she, um, she's like, I voted twice. And he's like, you you know, sent two ballots. She's like, I voted, you know, once in each place. So we know that there was voter fraud in this election. Um, and, you know, we just, we know that occurred, but it did not win Biden this election. It definitely didn't. And we don't even know if it benefited Biden at all. I mean, for all we know, it could have benefited Trump. You know, so it's just like when when they did an audit in Georgia and what happened, Biden actually gained votes. So there's no base. There's no actual claims. There is no evidence and there's no case. So nothing's going to happen and nothing did happen. Uh, Biden is sitting at the exact same electoral count and um, just beat Trump by what Trump beat Hillary in 2016. So we're not looking at any form of uh, widespread voter fraud. We're not looking at any form of a court case deciding this election. And that, that really is the end of it. Like 
we're we're not looking at anything else happening um, in this election. So I, w- I I don't expect to hear anything about the election. Um, the electoral college um, meets. I don't remember. I think it's the tenth of December, the fourteenth of December. The electoral the electors will vote in their states on December fourteenth. So. That's when we're going to know more information. That's when we're going to get the final count. That's when Trump's going to be, or when Biden will officially be named president-elect of the United States, and that's when it'll be the end of it. But at this point, you know, and even for the past few weeks, we've been able to say this is the end of it. We know what's happening. We know what has happened. Nothing's going to change. You know, Republicans and Democrats alike, and I'm not talking about Trump supporters. I'm talking about Republicans. Big difference. Um, There's overlap, but there is a big difference between Trump supporters and Republicans because I know Republicans and I know Trump supporters. And one of them I would have on my show, and the other one I would not. And see, I would love to have on my show, I would love to talk to a Trump-supporting Republican, but I don't want to talk to somebody who loves Trump, but, you know, isn't, like, politically educated, because those are just, you know, Trumpies. Like, there's a big difference. And, you know, a, a Republican can support Trump and cannot. Like, you know, there was a large majority of Republican voters this year who did not vote for Trump, and that is why... Uh, Joe Biden's going to be the next president. So, you know, I'm talking about, you know, when I'm saying Trump supporters, I'm talking about serious Trump supporters will never accept the outcome of this election. They will only mock what the president says. But yeah, um, Trump does not have support of the Republicans, you know, like most Republicans or, you know, all the Republicans he doesn't have the support of. He's lost Republican support. Um, and if all of the Republicans would have shown up in 2016 like they did, we would be seeing another four more years of Trump. But he lost Republican support. And he lost even some of his Democratic support that he had in 2016. Ben Shapiro, you know, in fact, is 0-2. He voted for Hillary in 2016, Trump in 2020. So he, you know, gained some of his uh, Republican. Um, but, he, you know, overall, he lost his Republican majority and he lost the Democratic majority. If, you know, you know, if we're talking about um, votes that he got in 2016 or, uh, yeah, Democratic votes he got in 2016, he, he lost most of those. He lost women. He lost people of color, um, and he lost he lost uh, military. He lost everything, and it wasn't because he was a bad president. I've never said that he is a like a bad. Pre- I mean, I, I have said he's a bad president, but I've never said that he like uh, did a poor job as a president. He's just a I think a terrible person, and I have no problem calling him a terrible person. I, you know, if you look at statistics, if you look at the facts, Trump is not you know one of the worst presidents. And what, you know, facts that Republicans are not ready for is Trump is not one of the best presidents, you know, so he was not one of the best and he's not one of the worst. I mean, there are some terrible presidents in U.S. history. Um, In my list, he's one of the worst just because of his antics, because he can't behave himself. I think he's a child, but he's certainly if you look at, you know, just his numbers and if if you didn't live through a Trump presidency, then yes, he looks like a very good president. And, you know, that's, that's, I guess what really matters, but you know, he, I, he was an embarrassment to our country. Republicans and Democrats agree, um, you know, not Trump supporters, but Republicans and Democrats agree that Trump was an embarrassment to our country. And, you know, that's the reason that he didn't win, not because of his numbers. You know, if Obama had those, you know, if Obama had those numbers, actually Obama had the best economy. If you look at, and you know, if you, obviously Trump had the, um, you know, the best, uh, um, economy, but, if you look at, um, you know, in the in Obama's first four years, uh, his um, his uh, difference in unemployment was uh, better than Trump's first four years difference in unemployment, but not low, like all time low. 
Trump's all-time low is lower than Obama's all-time low. But uh, when here, I can pull up a graph actually, um, and it's like not obviously we all know that um, Trump had the all-time low or all-time I think high GDP, but he didn't have the largest jump. So. In, if we're talking real gross domestic, real gross domestic product, all right, um, we're looking at from 2008, which was when Obama was elected, to 2012. We're looking at here we go. From 2008 to 2012, um, the U.S. monthly foreign trade balance. All right. Which is just the the one the source I'm going to use the Census Bureau. We're just going to use that. All right. Obama started in 2008 at negative 40 million dollars. All right. Obama ended, or we'll we'll just say his first term. So in 2012, negative 50 million dollars or billion dollars. So that is a drop of 10 billion dollars. Trump got down to negative 60 billion dollars. But he dropped in his, you know, one term from negative for, uh, forty-five billion to uh, what he's now at, which is negative fifty-five billion. So we're looking at not an incredible Trump economy, like not, you know, something just crazy. But what we're looking at is a real, like, you know, if we're looking at similar numbers with Trump and Obama, um. And the numbers are very similar, but they're not like comparable because what what's being compared is the all time low and the all time high, not the you know difference from start to end. And that's what we need to look at. We need to look at difference from start to end, and we can't compare uh, one two Obama terms to one Trump term. That's like comparing apples to oranges. You need to compare his first or his second term to Trump's term, preferably his first term, because um, it's the most comparable. But a second term is also where you can see, you know, it, you you can make your opinion on that inheritance or on that, um, in the case, you know, that Trump actually did, um, was the reason that the economy uh, was good at the beginning, which we know is not, um, at the beginning. But you know, towards towards the middle, you you can kind of use trends and figure out whether Trump's economy was all his or was an inheritance from, um, you know, President Obama. So. Uh, at this point, I, I don't have much more to say, so I'll start, you know, a question and answer. If anybody has questions, um, just ask them and I will do my best to answer. Um, but yeah, basically what we've been talking about is um, the pardon of Michael Flynn, uh, results in swing states being certified, Trump yelling at reporters. Okay, actually, I missed that. Trump yelled at a reporter. Um, he, he was asked the question. Um, uh you know, will it, you know, and will uh, the uh, Supreme Court, you know, what would happen if the Supreme Court uh, voted in President elect Biden? And he said that they would make a huge mistake. And then um, it was it was sort of inaudible what the uh, reporter said. Trump responded with or I just couldn't tell. Trump responded with, I'm the president of the United States. Uh, don't ever talk to the president of the United States like that. Um, and the only thing I had to say to that was, yes, you should respect the president. You know, I didn't think he, the president was disres being disrespected. 
And I also don't think the president deserves any respect. Like, I do not have respect for President Trump. I'm sorry. Um, if he walked in a room, I would probably stand. I would probably call him Mr. President. But I do not have respect for him. I do not have respect for him like I have for Obama. I would stand up and shake Obama's hand and call him Mr. President. Um, but I don't have that same respect for Trump. I just can't. Like, Obama is such a professional person. Joe Biden, I will. I have you know tremendous respect for. And any president, whether I disagree with them politically or I don't think they're a good president, I have respect for them. I cannot have respect for Trump and it's purely because of his antics and his behavior and his personality. And I think he's, you know, racist, xenophobic, homophobic, all of that. But it doesn't mean that, you know, his numbers are bad. That's not what that means. It doesn't mean that, you know, he, you know, deserves presidential respect because I don't believe that he does. Um, so, yeah, if anybody has any questions, please let me know. Um, but yeah, this has been like a shorter episode. We're at 24 minutes and, uh, you know, my usual is like, uh, you know, for a solo podcast around a half, half hour, 35, 40 minutes. So yeah, cause usually I have a lot of questions. Um, but I can actually check to see if I have any questions. Yeah. What's your question? Can you be on the show? Um, I actually don't know who you are, just based off your profile picture and your name. Um, but yeah, if you're right wing, left wing, you know, libertarian, independent, whatever you are, if you're politically educated, you think you could talk for an hour, or you've just got something to say, um, then yeah, you know, I, I'd welcome anybody, any uh, political affiliation onto the show, you know. Oh, it's Marcus. Uh, yeah, probably. Oh, I should have. I I should have been able to tell, uh, that it was you. Yeah, my bad, keys. Um. But yeah, uh, thank you to everybody who was watching on this episode. Um. You know, uh, tomorrow is Saturday, and uh, I've got some stuff to do tomorrow. But we should be able to get an episode out tomorrow night, maybe tomorrow afternoon. Um, and then I'm also excited to introduce something new um, starting on Monday of this coming week. So that'll be the uh, 30th of November. Starting on the 30th of November, we are going to start a new series. I don't know what it's going to be called yet. If you have any you know ideas, let me know. Something with Monday in the name, maybe. But it's going to be every you know Monday I'm going to do my political podcast and I'm going to do an episode with a guest where we talk about anything they want and it doesn't have to be political at all. Um, I have a guest where we're going to talk about um, philosophy and like, you know, life and evolution, how things came to be, you know, dabble in, you know, a lot of topics. So, you know, it, it's going to be more like if you've ever watched, you know, the Joe Rogan experience, it's not going to be as good as that. Um, but it's going to be that more, you know, interview style, just talk about anything. And I'm going to start that on Mondays. Um, it'll be on the same channel. Um, but yeah, that's just going to be to kind of, you know, let people, you know, on the show, talk about what they want, get their, you know, message out there without having to be, you know, into politics or like, talk. you know, I have people who are very educated in politics, but they just, you know, aren't comfortable talking about it um, for an hour, talking about it live, you know, publicly or that, you know, they don't think they know enough. So, yeah, that's um, 
that's uh, new. If you have any name ideas, please let me know. And thank you, everybody, who is watching this episode. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. My name is Jack Bowie, and this is Inside the 435.